The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, This one began to build, but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king marching into battle would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning to you all. It's beautiful to see a church full of beautiful women. So there you go. You made my morning. So, how's this for a gospel? And this is the summary version of what I just read. Hate everybody, hate everything, including yourself. And while you're at it, give up all your possessions. Have a nice day. <clears throat> that sounds like it's the gospel according to Satan. <laughs> so what in the world is Jesus talking about when he says harsh words like, if anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. Okay, it is obvious that he is not saying, I want you to go around hating anybody. Hatred is always bad. The only thing you're allowed to hate is sin. And because sin is kind of a double negative. Sin is a rejection of God, so you can hate rejecting God. Double negative, you know, positive. That's the only thing you're allowed to hate, really. You're not even allowed to hate Satan. Because, in the end, he was made good. There is something of goodness. He chooses moral evil, but there's something. He's God's creature. And he can't not be, in a certain sense, the thing God made him to be. And there's something good there. So you're not even allowed to hate him. You can hate his works, you can hate his rejection of God, all that. So let's get that clear. In that case, then why did Jesus say uh, that we need to hate father and mother, brothers and sisters, etc., if we want to be his disciples? Well... I am not a scholar, but those who are scholars have told me that the word hate uh, in Greek, uh, he wouldn't have actually said hate, but it has a sense of preference. The idea being that unless you put yourself second, that may be a, a way of interpreting it, unless you put yourself second to you know, your father and mother, uh, let me re rephrase that. Unless you prefer God, give him priority, you cannot 
and be a disciple of Christ if you allow father and mother, children, brothers, sisters, or even your own life to take precedence over God. That is the interpretation that Jesus is trying to give us. Absolutely nothing in our life can take precedence to God. And why is that? For example, when God gives us a command, a twofold command, and this is another thing I think we interpret badly, he gives us a twofold command. Okay, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What we don't tend to remember anymore is that the love your neighbor as yourself is in function of loving God. It is love, the older catechisms made it very clear that love of neighbor is for the sake of God. Okay, so why, why is all this stuff important? Because in the end of the day, if we understand who God is and what God is, then it falls into place. God is the fullness and the source of absolutely everything that is good. If you love your spouse and you see something beautiful there, it is simply a dim reflection of one aspect of God's beauty. If you have any love at all for your children, that is a dim reflection of one dimension of God's love. The love that you have for your spouse is another dimension. It's a very dim reflection of one little dimension of God's love. The love that you have for your friends or for your parents or for anything at all. Anything at all that we see that is good and we recognize it as good and there is some form of love, those are just little windows, partial views into the fullness of love that God is. And therefore, any human being or any partial good that we set up and we, we allow that to become, uh, to take precedence over God in our heart, in a certain sense, he said, it has to go. Because you're settling for a little sliver when I want to give you the entire thing. And I think, frankly, this fits in very well with the theme of the day, because ultimately what happens when we are settling for smaller things, what's happening is we're allowing our faculties inside of us to kind of be disordered. We, God made your soul with an intellect and a will that, is, that, are, that are designed specifically to cling to him. He's the only thing that will satisfy. Your intellect is open to the infinite. Your will, your capacity to love is open to something that is infinite. And only an infinite God can satisfy that. And then underneath we have different things like emotions and, you know, bodily needs and whatnot. But they're all in a certain hierarchy. When we allow... When we allow ourselves to start chasing after lesser things, what happens is we find ourselves with this disorder in ourselves. And we can, the next thing you know, you could have a desire for cheesecake that is driving you to do things that you know intellectually are stupid. And you could allow your desire for cheesecake, for example, to put you in a bad mood because you don't have it and you want it and now your spouse has to deal with you and now you're getting under your spouse's skin and he reacts badly and he's getting under your skin and uh and then finally you go out and you do something stupid you go to cheesecake factory and you spend way more money than you should you waste your time you eat it then you feel guilty in the morning because you were you blew your diet number one and you got in a fight with your husband, and you wasted money, and you wasted your time, and you probably missed some sleep over it, over cheesecake. 
okay? Stupid example, but you get the point, okay? Everyone, there's nothing wrong with cheesecake. There's a good there. And I have been known to partake in that good, probably more than <laughs> Okay, so I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. But what's happening is, we are settling for lesser things and we're putting them up on top. And that brings turbulence. It brings, it destroys our interior peace. And the reason why God asks us to, to make sacrifices and do these things is not like he wants us to suffer, but what he's really saying is we need to reestablish order. If you want to encounter interior peace, we need to reestablish a proper order. And if you've got a bone that's out of place, you got to, you know, the chiropractor does what he does. And next thing, yeah, it doesn't feel good in the process, but it's for the greater good. It's to reestablish the harmony that brings peace. The word peace, actually, if you want to turn to St. Augustine and smart people like him, uh, they define it as this, tranquilitas ordinis, right? Got it? Okay, good. The tranquility of order. See, Latin's not that hard. Tranquilitas ordinis, you knew that. The tranquility of order. That's what it is. It is the tranquility of heart that comes from having things in right order. That is the definition of peace. So when we look at this gospel and Jesus tells us things like, hate your father and mother, your wife and your children, brothers and sisters, and even your own life, clearly he's not saying hate, but what he is saying is put them in their place. Everything in our life makes sense when God is at top and everything else is in function of that. And when we learn to love our, and well, when we place God in top, then we will learn to love our spouses and our children and our parents and everything else far more than we would when we have things all out of whack. God is the key that unlocks our capacity to love fully, passionately, radically, joyfully. So if you want peace, Let's make God first. That's the summary of everything. Otherwise, you end up with the gospel of Satan. And we don't want that. And the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit.